Oh, yeah. Crank that up. Ooh. Welcome to the inaugural Never Ending Glory podcast baseball show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Monner. I'm here joined by a panel of five total, including myself. We have Sean Z. We have the godfather himself of the Never Ending Glory podcast brand, Luke Grilly. We boom, have, boom, boom, get it! We have Super Nick, Pod. <laughs> we have Nick Schilling, Schill, as he is known on the other podcasts. And we have a special guest with us, a new member of the Never Ending Glory podcast panel, Mr. Luke Conley. Gentlemen, it's a great Sunday. It's a, been a great sports weekend. We had a lot of good college football yesterday. We had the Ryder Cup. The Americans whooped some European ass. It was great to watch. NFL, obviously, is always good on Sundays. Uh, and we're here to talk a little baseball, mostly focusing on our beloved tribe in their first-round matchup against the Boston Red Sox. Uh, Luke Grilly, what say you about this, uh, this whole development? Boston, Cleveland, getting it on once again. Well, first off, I just want to touch on my Sunday. My Sunday's been great so far. Um, unfortunately, it did start off with a, a loss in the championship game of my co-ed softball league. Bomb in the seventh inning. I'm playing left field. This nice lady comes up to bat, jacks it to left field. I'm running back. I'm running back. Hits the top of my uh, top of my glove. Ends up going over the fence. Game oh. over. Walk oh, off home run. Almost it. a Jose Canseco. No, it wasn't really a Canseco because it literally hit the very edge of my glove. If I had a better, uh, you know, beat on it, I would have had it. I was a half step too slow. Um, so a little disappointing, um, but it was made up for in my big win over Nick Vern in, in the league from the Ville. Nick thanks Vern. To, thanks to Luke Conley trading me, um, Julio Jones last night for Travis Benjamin and um, Amari Cooper. So uh, things are looking up. I'm pretty excited to talk baseball with you guys. Obviously, we've had a good banter back and forth over the years between Cleveland and Boston, and now we get to uh, to see them on the field play play a nice little opening round series here. That that was actually a Pedro Serrano that you pulled there, uh, really. <laughs> he he did that in Major League too. Harry Doyle would have credited you with an RBI on that. Right, right, yeah. Well, Disappointing in that, it hit a bird, and uh, it was a rat with wings. <laughs> uh, Schilling, your thoughts uh, on this weekend of sports that you've been seeing? Um, Saturday was absolutely bonkers. Um, I actually just invented or invested in a splitter because I literally could not keep up between, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this into the college pod, but between 645 and 715, I could not keep up with all the college football games. So, um, I will have a three TV set up here in the living room very shortly because, um, it was disappointing. I actually texted you guys probably 30 minutes after the games and I totally actually missed that Florida State lost. Uh, sorry to bring that up, Sean, but yeah, thank you. Uh, the the living room's getting some upgrades to uh, get some three three TV setup going forward. I'm sure, I'm sure your wife is thrilled about that one, Shell. Well, I mean, Luke, some, some of us wear the pants, and some of us like our uh, yeah. leash pretty tight. Yeah, I mean, some of us some of us like the roof over our head, and some of us don't. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get on with the with the true meaning of the pod, Monarch? Let's talk. Let's talk some baseball here, gentlemen. Um, Damn right. Obviously, the regular season just uh, concluded about an hour and a half ago, and uh, the last kind of bow on the season was the Boston Red Sox losing again at home to the Toronto Blue Jays. So we have uh, Toronto and Baltimore representing the American League in the wild card game. And the Indians, of course, then wrapped up home field advantage in their first round series against the, the Red Sox. That will start on Thursday in Cleveland. Uh, Luke Conley, I just want to get your first impressions. Um, what, what you think the matchup's going to look like, Indians, Red Sox, uh, obviously 
having home field is nice, but uh, I want to get your kind of opinion on this. I, I think that getting home field in games one and two, while it's it's a great thing, actually puts a lot of pressure on the Tribe here right off the get-go to make sure they get games one and two because I don't want to go to Boston uh, having to win a game just to stay alive in the series. Yeah, it does, but I'll tell you what, if they wouldn't have got this home field advantage, I really wouldn't have liked their chances. I think now that this at least gives them a fighting chance to uh, to make this a series. The big reason I wanted to see Cleveland get the home field advantage here, they are averaging five over five runs a game at home and almost four on the road. I just did not think that they were going to be able to hit enough in Boston, playing three games over there to be able to hold their own. Boston's phenomenal at home. Um, hitting-wise, and you know the Indians pitchers with Tomlin and Bauer having to go into Boston, uh, if they would have, two fly ball pitchers threw up a lot of home runs. I just did not see that ending well. I, I don't know if this series would have started in Boston if we would have got past three or four games. Well, now, of course, Tomlin's going to have to uh, to pitch in Boston in game three, which is a little bit scary. Uh, but uh, the pitching matchups kind of look like this. Uh, Boston's going to probably throw, well, they're going to throw Rick Porcello in game one and David Price in game two. The Indians are going to come back with Trevor Bauer in Game 1 and Corey Kluber in Game 2. Um, You've got to think the Indians need to get both games at home to give themselves a good chance to win this series. Sean, your thoughts on the, the, the first couple games of this series here? First and foremost, we're on the pod, the baseball pod. we got some Buckeye vodka, repping them first. <laughs> Celebrated the Ryder Cup win, the Tribe, home field advantage for Round 1. Did a few shots, so uh, we're ripe for the pick in here, at least me and Shelly. As for the games, Thursday, do we have a time yet, Monter? No, I don't. They haven't released that yet. It should be out at some point tonight. I'm probably guessing during the football game here, but I would say probably it's going to be an eight o'clock game since we're playing Boston, and they'll probably be the prime time game. So I got to say, I love us for for round one, um, or at least game one. Excuse me, um, game one, Porcello. Seen him many a time. I like our lineup now with the addition of Coco Crisp. It gives us a little more balance. You'll have Chiz, uh, but then you've got Geyer and, and some right-handed bats on the bench that we'll be able to sub in. Our bullpen's deeper. If Trevor Bauer can get out of the first inning, is going to be a critical yeah. aspect of that game. Yeah. Can he get out of the first inning? Tribe fans know the struggle that it is with Bauer. He gets through the first, and he can get a little bit of momentum. He can settle down, and he trusts his curveball. And things will have a way of kind of settling themselves out. But uh, I think we'll hit against against them other than the price matchup. But at least we've got Kluber going, and hopefully he's he's locked in um, and, and really matches up well against some of the Boston right-handers. But Boston's going to hit like crazy. I hope for kind of some bad weather. Um, it's going to be a competitive series. I like that if we get the five, it's in Cleveland and not in Boston because I, I wouldn't have given us, to Luke's point, too much of a chance in hell there. Yeah, and uh, you know, we're going to get David Price, obviously, in Game 2 and probably in Game 5 if it happens. Um, you know, he's historically dominated the Indians, but uh, what, one thing the Indians have this year that they haven't had in the past is a lot of right-handed hitters that have been uh, able to mash lefties, uh, although Mike Napoli has been really struggling here the last two, three weeks. Uh, I want to get Grilly's thoughts here about his Red Sox. The pitching rotation, you feeling good about it? What do you think? Well, first off, put some respect on uh... – on Rick Porcello's name, future Cy Young winner Rick Porcello. I'd like to throw that out there. Uh, you know, he's been lights out this year. 
Leading with majors and wins with 22 and 22 and 4. Had a nice uh, 3.15 ERA, which I will say, you know, last year his his nickname around the New England parts was Porcel Blow. Um, pretty witty by the, the New England faithful. Um, you know, he's been lights out all year, and he's obviously the leader of this staff. David Price started off the season uh, very poorly after signing that huge contract with the Red Sox in the offseason, but I will say this, he's really calmed down the second half of the season. I am a little nervous about him in the postseason because, uh, you know, in, in his career, in his career, he's been pretty terrible. Um, that one year when he was with the Blue Jays in the postseason, he got shelled. Uh, so hopefully, yep, yep. So hopefully he can turn that around. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that's the case, but you, know, you never know when you guys bring up the bad weather. Obviously, they're going to be playing in New England and in Cleveland, where in October it's not the, the prettiest or the warmest. So uh, who knows what to expect of that. I don't even think we can put the weather as a factor in this one just because we don't know what it's going to be. Um, but obviously the day of it could turn into something of a factor. But I think this, this series is going to be won by the, by the Red Sox on the offensive side of the ball just because you have the future MVP, David Ortiz, or Mookie Betts, leading off and uh, just just anchoring this this lineup. Um, Pedroia's been hitting recently, had a huge grand slam a few nights ago. Um, and then, you know, Jackie Bradley Jr. and Xander Bogarts have struggled as of late, but hopefully they can, they can kind of turn around. But you, you Wait, you think David Ortiz is winning the MVP? I think he's absolutely in consideration. Oh, yeah. 38 homers, 38 homers, 127 RBIs. You better believe it. No. It's Mike Trout's the MVP. It's not even close. He's not going to win. It's done. I, I, I highly disagree. I don't think it's done. I think that either Mookie Betts or David Ortiz. It's one of those things where I wouldn't be surprised if what, you what saw. What did the tribe do to move on back in the day? Stop living in the past, Sean. I'm worried about the future. And the future says David Ortiz is going to walk out of his – he's going to retire as not only the MVP of the AL but also a, a World Series champion. You're despicable. That's hot. That's a hot sports state. Comes straight from New England, from Luke Grilly, right from my mouth. How do you feel about that? Show Conley right on this. Guy. Yeah, right. I mean, the, the fact that you think Dave Ortiz is an MVP candidate is just my my mind. You're, you're out of your mind if you don't think that a guy who played twenty I plus years. He, I understand he's a DH, but he's absolutely a candidate. In his, in his last last season of his career, you don't think that's going to be a sports writer too that'll say, "Hey, let's send him out on a song song, and give him the MVP." He's absolutely going to get votes. He'll finish top five, no question. I think I he's going to win. I think Gurley's right. I think the big thing here too is is the whole sending him out on a high note thing. Everybody loves a good story. The MLB is going to eat that up. I, I, I think that's what happens too. Unfortunately, you think they're going to give him the MVP trophy? The guy is hitting over 330, and he, he doesn't he, play in the field. He doesn't the, play in the field. It's half those, of your job. Those hitting numbers are too. And he played like six games at first base. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's come on, that's credit. <laughs> well, not only that, but look at his OPS. His OPS is over one. I mean, the guy is Mike Trout to, is over one, and he plays no, he's actually not. Mike Trout's actually behind. Field. Mike Trout is behind David Ortiz with a point nine nine one OPS, while David Ortiz is a one point oh two one OPS. David Ortiz six twenty slugging percentage. Mike Trout five fifty. Same average. They both have, that's fine. That's higher. Three fifteen. Both of them. David Ortiz has nine more home runs. Twenty seven more ribbies. I mean, we can keep going. He's got sixteen more doubles. I mean, he's got better offensive stats than Mike Trout does. You're right. A huge part of it, he, he's not playing in the field, obviously. However, the fact that he it's his last season, everybody knows he's going to retire, you, you are out of your 
Sean, I usually think you're a pretty smart person. But right no, now, I think you're, you're dead just, wrong. You're absolutely dumb. We obviously had no conversation of this. I didn't even know that this was a possible discussion. <laughs> the, the fact that you are picking a DH to be AL MVP is the highest thing I've ever heard on this podcast. Hey, you I are high. We are talking about a DH winning the MVP that yes. didn't hit 50-plus homers? Yes, no. No, no, no. Yes, you already have a team that is locked and loaded with three other guys that have just as much of a case as David Ortiz, or at least two. I, I can't hear an argument that says David Ortiz is going to get AL MVP. I just gave you These an argument, and it's just argument. Because because he is a better hitter than Mike Trout was this year. Mookie Betts has a better case. Josh Donaldson, Mike Trout, Jose Altuve. Check the betting lines. David Ortiz is plus sixteen hundred. Then win some money and bet on it. David Ortiz has a top five chance. He might get fourth or fifth. He is not getting an AL MVP. You guys are crazy. As much as I'd like to debate this for the rest of the podcast, it, I truthfully could care less who wins it, the AL MVP. <laughs> I, I, it doesn't matter. It, I could care less. We need to beat Boston three out of five. That's all I care about. Chilik, what do you think about this series? Please give me some kind of uh, logical thought about this series. I, I, I was pulling up the AL MVP odds, but we'll, we'll skip that. So never mind. Yeah, go ahead. I just read them off. I mean, Ortiz is plus 1,600. So, I mean, it, it's either Altuve or Betts. I mean, it, it is what it is, but whatever. Whatever. Um, I only think the series ends two different ways. It's either Boston and five or Cleveland and, or sorry, Boston and four or Cleveland and five. Um, you know, with Tomlin Bauer going game three and four in Fenway, as uh, Luke said, being fly ball pitchers. And, uh, you know, we are a little leery of Bauer in game one. Um, really, I want to get your feelings on it. Um, game five in Cleveland series tied, uh, Kluber on the mound. Uh, you like Boston's chances at all in that? I mean, you know, it depends on what crowd's going to show up for, for the game. Is it going to be the crowds that you've been tweeting out for the past three weeks that don't show up, or is it going to be the crowds that's going to show up? Um, <laughs> you know, I think that it's going to be – it's either going to be Porcello or Price versus Kluber, so obviously we're throwing our best two at, at your best guy um, or one of your best guys. I think there's a shot. I mean, it's, it's a coin flip. Obviously, it's, it's an October game in Cleveland. Anything can happen, um, but the offense is talented enough to – to get it done, um, uh, I think they have a shot, absolutely. Here, but do I, I, would I feel overly confident walking into that situation? No, I, I wouldn't. Here's what I want to know. Conley, you can shed some light on this. Conley's uh, and Schiller are both uh, heavily into fantasy baseball, so they've watched a lot of these guys. Eduardo Rodriguez and Clay Buckholes are probably going to be three and four for Boston. Uh, obviously, they could come back with Porcello in game four if they wanted to throw him on short rest. Thoughts on those two guys uh, pitching meaningful games in the playoffs? Well, I mean, you look at it, it's, it was really surprising because I was doing a little research for our thing today. I didn't realize how well Clay Buchholz and Rodriguez had thrown here in the second half. I mean, Rodriguez was a big-time prospect coming up and, you know, obviously came out last year early and, and threw really well and started to get hit hard and he had a really bad spurt in the middle of the year. I would feel really confident against him. Uh, I'm not real scared of him. And Buchholz, the guy's a disaster. I mean, he had one good year. You know, he was in and out of the rotation this season. He just doesn't have overpowering stuff. He doesn't have. It doesn't get a lot of swings and misses with a team like Cleveland that can hit for the power that they do. Both of those guys, I'm not concerned with. I mean, obviously, we need to get both of those guys and then be able to split with you know Price and Porcello. But neither of those two guys are all that intimidating. And really, that helps us going into Boston, being able to see their two weakest pitchers if they would happen to throw those two. 
in games three and four. Well, well, let me jump in here real quick about Buck Holtz and, and Eddie Rodriguez because I've been uh, a Buck Holtz uh, watcher. I won't say a fan. I won't say believer by any means, but I've been watching Clay Buck Holtz for the past seven, eight years, however long he's been in the league. And the guy's absolutely maddening. He, you know, he's, he's a bipolar pitcher. He looks great one game and looks absolutely terrible the next game. Pretty sure he's strung out on some sort of drug because every time he's done um, with his pitches, with his I think anytime he's done one of his games, he's sitting there rocking one of those uh, great graphic tees and his hair is slicked back and he looks like a lead singer from Nickelback or something like that. Um, but he is the most maddening player to to come through Boston in a long time. But I'll tell you what, he's been pitching great as of late. Uh, the Sox threw him into the bullpen for a little bit. Um, and ever since then, he's kind of come back and played pretty well. The last three games, he's allowed a total of three earned runs. Uh, that was against New York, Baltimore, and New York again. So he's been playing well as of late. Uh, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too scared of him right now because he's pitching well to, to pitch, you know, game three or game four. Um, Rodriguez got shelled a couple days ago. But, um, you yeah. know, Buck Holtz has been – He's one of those guys, he's, he's, he's always a big prospect coming out, and, and he, he's always had this potential that we've been waiting to see in Boston, and the, the Red Sox brass hasn't given up on him. He was rumored in many trades uh, throughout the years. The Sox kept on, kept on extending him, um, and now he can finally show that if he pitches well this offseason, that it, it was worth the wait and worth the frustration, uh, much like the, the J.D. Drew era here in Boston where uh, he frustrated us but then hit a huge grand slam against you guys. Last thing I want to bring up when it comes to this series, um, and obviously we know playoff baseball comes down to the bullpens a lot of the time. The Indians' bullpen is one of the best in baseball. Obviously the acquisition of Andrew Miller has been huge. Cody Allen's been solid. Brian Shaw, Dan Otero's done a nice job. Uh, if if the Indians can get five or six innings out of a Bauer or out of a Tomlin, uh, and they can bring those guys in with a one or two run lead, you got to like your chances. Uh, Grilly, thoughts on Boston's bullpen and your confidence level on them going into the series? Again, speaking of bipolar, this bullpen struggles to say the least. Uh, some nights they look good, other nights they look great, and it, it kind of comes down to Kimbrel, doesn't it? Uh, you know, never really watching much of uh, the Braves or the Padres. I didn't really know much about Kimbrel before he came to Boston, and then I only knew his stats. His whip was great. His, um, his ERA was low. He had a ton of strikeouts. He, averaged, he had 14 strikeouts per nine this year, um, but the guy throws a ton of pitches, and that has to scare you as a Red Sox fan because you're wasting a lot of bullets in the gun when it comes to, uh, to the end of the season and you're going to need him as much as possible and it's not like we have a reliable player we can throw out there if, if Kimball can't go. You know, Koji Uohara has done it in the past, but he's like 90 years old. Um, I don't know how much they can trust him this late in the season and again, just a lot of the different setup guys or seventh inning guys really, really struggled and it, it all began with when Carson Smith went down with uh, an elbow injury and got Tommy John. So, um, you know, this, this bullpen was built to be dominant, and it really hasn't panned out that way. Uh, I've seen way too many games this season where they lost it late, and um, I, I would much rather have Porcello go, you know, seven to nine innings strong than bring in the guy like Kimbrell to, to potentially walk the bases loaded and either scare the shit out of me or, or ruin my, you know, my Sunday night or something. So uh, confidence level scale, one to ten, I give it like a four and a half. Okay, let's go around with the group here. Give me a quick key to the series for either side uh, and then your pick on who wins and how many games. Sean? I think Cleveland's got to find a way to score early, get to the bullpen. If they can get to their bullpen 
tie or with leads. I like their chance over the course of the series. I like Cleveland in five. Conley. I, I think the big thing is going to be how many quality starts can they get? Can they get their starters into the fifth and sixth inning and not have early implosions and have to get to that bullpen too early? I'm also taking the Tribe in five. Chill. Uh, I think uh, the, the obvious key to the series is Trevor Bauer. Um, I think that's pretty obvious. He's going to be the only, only one going on short rest, pitching game one and game four um, with the injuries we've had to Salazar and uh, Carrasco. So, unfortunately, my gut is telling me Boston in five, but I'm praying for or, – sorry, Boston in four, but I'm praying for a game five fair at home and uh, with Kluber on the mound. But I uh, my pick will be Boston in four. Really? I'll tell you what, Carrie Underwood's on TV with that short skirt. Gosh, she's good looking. Um, I'm sorry, guys. I'm going – I mean, it's no question to me. It all comes down to pitching both on the Red Sox and the – the starting pitching, that is, on the Red Sox and the Tribe side. Um, I think the Red Sox get it done. I like their, their front-line starters better than Cleveland's, and I like the fact that David Ortiz is going to continue his MVP season by having <laughs> a dominant uh, first-round matchup against the, the Cleveland Indians. Uh, Indians God, I hope stuff. we hit him on the wrist and break his wrist. God, <laughs> do I hope it. Indians, uh, they're going to play us tough, but we're, I'm going Sox in five, and, uh, and uh, screw you, Sean. I am going to go with the Tribe and Five. Uh, it's totally a hard pick on my part, but um, you're high. Well, let me let me just say this. I think it's <laughs> absolutely crucial that the Indians win the first two games at home because I don't have a lot of faith in us going to Fenway Park and, and getting wins with uh, Tomlin and Bauer on the mound. So I, I think if the Indians can find a way to win the first two games at home. Really, to answer your question, the game sold out in a couple hours. It's going to be going to be a pretty lively atmosphere. I know. Uh, I think all of us here, except for you, Luke, because you refuse to uh, hop on a plane and get over here, are going to be at these games. Uh, we plan on, on we, we plan on being very spirited. Uh, I, I think the crowd hopefully carries the tribe to a couple wins at home. They get some momentum, and, and if it comes back to Cleveland for a game five. We have one of the best pitchers in baseball going, and I, I like our chances. So, Tribe and Five is my pick. Uh, Luke Grilly, with that, uh, we're going to send you out of here. We're basically kicking you out of the podcast. We don't want to right. uh, have a, a, a boss. Chew it up, Shell. Uh, real quick, before he goes, I'm gonna... yeah. Yeah, you're gone. Uh, before you go, uh, before, Luke, let's mention uh, follow at Glory Pod. For uh, Luke and Jerry's Never Ending Glory podcast, that'll drop uh, some uh, what Wednesday, really? Well, Wednesday we'll talk fantasy football. We'll talk about uh, the point pounding that Julio Jones put on uh, on the rest of the NFL, or I guess really just against um, who are the Carolina Panthers. We'll talk uh, other big other big uh, games from players this past week, and then look forward to Week Five of the NFL. Matchup, both fantasy and NFL. I'm sure we'll have either Sean or Farky or Mark on there. Um, and uh, yeah, but you guys, guys got lazy last week, didn't want to do one. I'm sitting around waiting. I will take a hint. <laughs> um, with that being said, I'm going to watch the Sunday night football game and uh, drink some nice tasty Buckeye vodka. And uh, gentlemen, I'm looking forward to the the matchup between the Red Sox and the Indians and, and all the shit talking. I'll go back and forth. Thanks, Grilly. Have a great night. Have a, night. Have a horrible night. Yeah, yeah. Dave Ortiz, MVP, baby. Let's go. Don't forget uh, to follow uh, Luke Grilly at Glory Pod. Make sure you follow our college football podcast as well. At Glory Podcast. podcast. Get it right, Monitor. At he's still Glory not. He's, somebody kick him off. <laughs> it's like a gnat.
See ya. <laughs> midges. It's like a midge. Let, let, let's make it official. Wow. Sure, all right, make sure you follow our college football podcast that drops on Thursdays as well at NEG Pod CFB, and you can follow us for baseball tweets and opinions and takes uh, throughout the postseason and into next year as well at NEG Pod MLB. Uh, our New England listeners better start showing some love with yeah. some emails and whatnot because if we got to put up with that type of a Boston fan, I'm not sure we're going to have to cut his segment down. I can't take it. Uh, guys, what do you say we get into the uh, other AL matchups here in the playoffs? Uh, let's start with the wild card game, which is on Tuesday night. That will be in Toronto, and it's going to be the Baltimore Orioles against the Toronto Blue Jays. And it's anybody's guess, really, who these teams are going to throw out on the mound. Uh, shockingly enough, I believe the Baltimore Orioles are going to throw the U, Ubaldo Jimenez, in a wild card elimination scenario, uh, basically because he's the only pitcher that's been pitching any sorts of good for the last six weeks. And Toronto is probably going to counter with Francisco Lariano, maybe Marcus Stroman. Uh, they haven't come out and announced that yet. Not really sure. Conley, your thoughts on this game on Tuesday night and uh, and who has the edge if there is one? Well, I think if Ubaldo and Lariano both throw, we're going to see a ton of walks. Um, both guys cannot throw strikes. Uh, I'm excited to see if, if Jimenez does throw. You know what he can do in a playoff type atmosphere because he has been doing uh, he has been throwing so well. You have two really interesting teams here because they both just hit a ton of home runs, and I think that's going to be the key to this game is who's going to be able to get a couple guys on and then hit a two or three run home or really break this thing open because there's not a lot of run manufacturing going on. Baltimore's first in the majors in home runs and twelfth in runs scored in Toronto. Um, is fourth in home runs, and they have seven guys with over 20 homers. And you just got two teams that hit the ball out of the yard. So be curious to see if a couple guys get on, which one serves up a meatball and, and breaks this thing open early, like 3-0, to start this game. And they never run. Neither team no. runs. No. It's station to station. Um, and, and it's, you know, Earl Weaver ball. Schilling, thoughts on this on this matchup? Uh, I'll, I'll say this. Obviously, this goes without saying, but Toronto having home field for them is huge. Uh, they play really well in the Dome. And, you know, the one thing that Baltimore has going for them is if they could somehow, like like Conley just said, if they could get out in front, maybe a, a two, three-run homer somewhere along the line, their bullpen is very good, whereas the Blue Jays' bullpen has been a little bit shaky here down the stretch. Shilling, your thoughts on this game? I, mean, I, 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 I want to make sure we're clear on the reason I think we – felt the need that home field was so important in the Tribe Series was, uh, you know, because of Bauer and Tomlin pitching three and four on the road, which we would have never thought uh, two months ago. Right. But when it, but for the most part, uh, home field means nothing in the baseball playoffs compared to other sports. Um, but in this series, if you look at the splits between Toronto and Baltimore at home, Baltimore what won series? Three, it's one game. Well, yeah, that's, that's, on. that's, my, that's the point. It's one game, which it does make a difference in one game. I think it does. I, I'm Baltimore won 50 games at home, and they they've sucked on the road. And, and Toronto has been has has been good at home. So um, when it comes to these two teams alone, Toronto and Baltimore, I actually uh, do think home field is huge. So I'm leaning Toronto in this game. Uh, I would agree with that, Sean. I'd go Toronto simply because I just don't trust Ubaldo. No. To Luke's point, if if Ubaldo can can make it through with with limited control issues, then I like Baltimore once they get to the bullpen just because Buck's just better than Gibbons. And he yeah. can kind of six thing and on 
uh, work his way into putting his his squad in the best position for success. And that's that's what playoff baseball is about: is identifying, being consistent, and just trusting certain guys to do what they've done for 162. I like Buck in that in that situation. I don't like Ubaldo in the start. I'd be actually. I'd, I'd wish we knew the starter. If it's Ubaldo, I like Toronto. If it's not, I'm going Baltimore. Um, so I guess that'll be my 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 flip. And and you'll just have to follow Twitter the day of the game or over the next couple of games to get the true pick. Yeah, I mean, there hasn't been announced yet. I think all signs kind of point to Ubaldo getting getting the ball. I mean, they could go with uh, with. Um... Chris Tillman, because he's kind of been the quote-unquote ace, or at least they thought he was, but he has not been good the last couple months of the year. Um, the one thing I'll say is the Texas Rangers are sitting at home with the the top seed in the American League, and they I would think, I don't, you guys can tell me what you think, but they have got to be praying that, that Baltimore wins this game uh, because their pitching rotation is the shakiest of shaky. Um, and, and, you know, Toronto could come back. With an Aaron Sanchez, and he could throw a couple times in this series. He's been pretty good all year long. They, they rested him kind of uh, for about a month or so, three weeks, to kind of get him uh, to, to be able to get through the rest of the year with a, an innings limit. Jay Happ's been pretty solid all year. He's got over 20 wins, although I don't like to use wins as a barometer of how good somebody is, but he's been pretty solid all year. Um, the, the Orioles rotation is just atrocious uh, depth-wise. Uh, Conley, your thoughts? on who the Rangers would rather see. I think it's got to be Baltimore, right? Oh, there's no question. I, I do think that Texas has a nice front end of the rotation. I do, like you said, I think Toronto can kind of match that a little bit. Baltimore doesn't. And obviously, like Shill said, Baltimore's much better at home. You know, they're going to have to play, you know, they're, they're going to have to start that series in Texas and will probably start down 0-2 there, I would think. So, yeah, I agree. I, I definitely think that if you're, uh, you're Texas, you're definitely praying that Baltimore can somehow pull this out. Got to trust in you, Baldo, baby. Yeah, I mean, we know all three of these teams can hit, right? Texas, Baltimore, Toronto, they can all hit. They all hit for power. They all have great home field parks in terms of what they do what, do well, and that's hitting home runs. It's just going to come down to you know, which team can string together enough quality starts to be able to, to win a series. So I think in that respect – Baltimore is at a huge disadvantage if they can get through this wild card game. But as we know in the playoffs, in a short series in five games, listen, the Rangers' rotation is no picnic either. It's it's you know basically Cole Hamels, Hugh Darvish, they've been shaky at times as well. And then you're looking at like a Colby Lewis or a Martin Perez, and those guys, you know, who knows what you're going to get from them. So um, crazy as it sounds, if the Indians could somehow get by Boston in the first round, I think they have as good a chance as anybody to get to the World Series. Shelley, what do you think? I, I was actually going to make that point that I think the winner of the Boston Tribe Series uh, gets the World Series. Um, Close sign. All over that. Oh, and Monitor, you and I talk baseball all the time. Um, the Rangers are the biggest frauds oh. I've ever met, ever. They are 95 and 66. Their run differential is plus 10. I mean that's unreal. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's I actually histor- it's historic, is what it is. It's never been done. Yeah, but you know what? They're frauds for one sixty-two in the long run. They've only got a fifteen-game schedule the rest of the way. Right. And right. this is where it gets really quirky. You throw all the numbers out and you just start looking at who's your top two starters, who's your who's your nine-man lineup, what speed do you have on the bench, what's your bullpen, and when you start doing that and break them down, you know what's the home field advantage? Texas. 
Texas kind of does fall in line a little bit, unfortunately. Well, they have played very well at home. They're fifty-three and twenty-eight at home, just the same record as the Indians. And to your, you guys' point earlier, uh, Baltimore fifty and thirty-one at home, also a very good home uh, field team. So let's get a prediction here for the American League um, representative in the World Series. Uh, Sean, what are your thoughts on who's coming out of the American League? I, I tend to agree with Schilling. Um, uh, just for the sake of it, I picked Cleveland to beat Boston. I'm going to go ahead with the Tribe. Uh, I think, you know, they don't completely line up uh, against all the teams, but what they do have is they have an elite bullpen, and they've got enough guys in their lineup that are kind of scrappers and manufacturers. The Coco Crisp addition was, was kind of critical to us, um, kind of bumps Nate one out into the bench or to a spot start here or there. Um, I, I, I just kind of like the, the magic up there at um, – up on the shores of Lake Erie. So I'm going to go with the Tribe uh, reluctantly. I've uh, been burned years and years uh, here now, but uh, I'll take the Tribe. Well, one thing we didn't mention, and this is something that the Indians do do really well and these three other teams do not do, is that they run the bases extremely well, and they're very aggressive on the base paths, and that is a big advantage uh, as well. It gives them kind of something that uh, gives them – it's something different that these other three teams don't have in their repertoire, and I think that's it could serve them well if they could scratch out, like Sean said, manufacture a couple runs here and there in big games, get some clutch hits like they've been getting all year from uh, Jose Ramirez. Kip's had a great year. Santana's been white hot for a good month now. Um, you know, I, I'm going to go with the Tribe as well, reluctantly, just because I, I picked them in the first series, so I, I think if they can get by Boston 5, I think – they have a really good shot to uh, to win the next series as well and go on to the World Series. Conley, your pick for the American League? You know, I'm going to take Texas. Um, I, I like the I like some of the moves they made at the deadline. Picked up some good bullpen help. Their bullpen's been really, really good here at the end of September. I do like Cole Hamels. I know he's he's ERA's over six the last month, but you know he's a big game pitcher. He's pitched really well in the playoffs in his career. I really like him and Darvish at the top of that rotation. I think their lineup is really, really good. Um, I, I just think they're a little bit deeper than Cleveland is, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Texas. Nick Schilling, last word. Um, if th- That wild card game is a crapshoot, so if Toronto gets through, I'm actually going to lean that way, um, even though John Gibbons, it might be the worst manager in the history of baseball. Ezekiel Cooper cannot hit leadoff. In that lineup, I mean, it, it, it's, it, unbelievable. it's unreal. It, he's a nine hitter. It's unbelievable. I, I, it, that that he hits leadoff. You put your best four pitchers first. It's not 1999. Well, the thing is, their nine hitter should be hitting leadoff. Devin Travis should be their leadoff hitter. I, if he's gonna go that route, anyways, but that lineup's scary when Batista hits, hits I, leadoff. I agree so, with that. I agree with that. It's like um, it's like Santana with the Batista number one. Um, so since I took Boston and um, you know I think Texas are frauds, I will actually uh, unfortunately lean the Red Sox uh, American League champs. You know what? You brought up a good point, Shilling, and I meant to say this when I was making my pick. I, I think if Toronto wins the wild card game, they beat Texas, and uh, and then and then um, it's going to be Toronto and the Indians. I agree with that 100. percent I got a hotter take on this. Either of them. Texas. I like Boston, or excuse me, Baltimore or Toronto against Texas. There's just something odd with Texas. Uh, you know, uh, counterpoint to my earlier comment on it's only a 15 game schedule the rest of the way. I just like Baltimore and Texas again, or Baltimore and Toronto against Texas. I, it's just, I don't like their bullpen. I don't like their starting pitching of late. 
yeah, they mash, but they strike out a lot. I, I, I just like both the AL East teams. I mean, I the way Baltimore's played last month, I, I, I just can't take them if they get through. But if it's Toronto, I think Toronto beats Texas. If it's Baltimore, unfortunately, I think I think Texas makes it to the uh, ALCS. I just can't I just can't see Baltimore getting through with that rotation. I just I cannot. It's so bad, and I don't know. I just I cannot see them going through Texas's lineup through two or three times and being able to hold them down. It's just I think the starting pitching there is, is too much of an advantage if Baltimore would happen to pass through. And with with with, with these new rule or the way they set up the playoffs now. Usually the wild card team is at a disadvantage when they, you know, got to play that one game. Usually they throw their number one. Toronto in a game one would throw their number one yep. against Texas. Yep. So that's why I that's why I don't think Baltimore can beat Texas, but I think Toronto can. I agree with that. Uh, and, and one more thing I want to throw in here about the American League, and I just feel the need to do it because we're Tribe fans and I want to dog them. The Detroit Tigers missed the playoffs by a couple of games, and the difference in their season when it came down to the end was they were in Atlanta, and everybody assumed, oh, well, they go to Atlanta at the end of the year, they're going to be fine. They strike out 22 times in the last two games against Aaron Blair and Julio Tehran and just are totally shut down by the Atlanta Braves. Fitting end to the Detroit Tigers season. Can I get a he gone for the Detroit Tigers, Shelley? Hey, yeah, Justin Verlander. See ya, Detroit. <laughs> And it's probably going to be Brad Ausmus will be next, the next guy we play that for, too. Moving over to the National League quickly here, uh, the wild card game. Boy, we have an unbelievable pitching matchup on Wednesday night in the wild card game. San Francisco going to New York. Mad Bum, Madison Bumgarner, and Thor, Noah Syndergaard. Great matchup in the wild card game. This, to me, is a coin flip game. Uh, both pitchers have pitched in big games, so especially Bumgarner. He's shown that he's one of the best big game pitchers there is. The winner, of course, gets the Cubs, but um, uh, Conley, thoughts on this game? Uh, Giants at Mets Wednesday night. First of all, I can't believe the Giants are even in with the second half that they had. Their bullpen imploded so many times down the stretch, blowing leads in the ninth inning. Sergio Casilla has been a disaster. They are 29-40 and 40 in the second half after having that great first half. I think they had the best record in the majors. They did. They did. At the, at the all-star break. And the Mets are 27-12 and 12 since the middle of August. So you have two teams that have been trending in different directions here towards the end of the year. Um, I, I can't go against Madison Bumgarner, though, and it's an even year. So I feel like I'm going to have to take the Giants, even though they haven't been playing their uh, best baseball. Don't, don't, oh don't give me the even, the even year. year. Don't give me I, the I, even I, year. I have even year teed up in, in exclamation points. I, uh, I can't stand the media. Uh, just because you said that, give me Thor. I'm a huge Thor fan. Um <laughs> Uh, oh, I, I, I hate it. Oh. I'm going to go with the Giants because it's an even year. <laughs> hey, I gave other stuff before that. All right? No, no I, hey, I'm with you, actually. It's not the even year. I just like the Giants and a one-gamer with Bumgarner. Unfortunately, I think it actually really hinders them with the Cubs unless Bumgarner can well, – how would it line up? Can he come back for game two or not? They're, they're probably going to have to go, obviously, Cueto game one. That would be Friday. Samarja, uh, Samarja game Samarja. two, which would be Saturday. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I like uh, Giants, but I like the Cubs obviously to beat them. I, I think Bumgarner's going to throw two games to to beat the Cubs, and obviously he's not going to be able to um, unless he he pulls the World Series superhuman act that he did a couple years ago. Yeah, I got to pick the Giants too, just because 
You said I hate the Mets lineup. Well, it's just yeah, it's atrocious. Conley said he can't believe the Giants are in. I can't believe the Mets are in because I remember in the middle of August watching them against Arizona. They uh, they lost nine nothing when Thor was pitching against the Diamondbacks, and that dropped them to five hundred fifty seven and fifty seven. At, at that point, I thought their season was over. They looked like a team that had totally shut it down, and uh, for them to be sitting at twelve games over five hundred, so they've gone thirty and twenty two. I'm sorry, thirty and eighteen the rest of the way. Well, it surprised. I mean, I left them for dead on in the middle of August. So the fact that they're here is unbelievable. I think it speaks to the fact that how much the Cardinals have underachieved this year to not make the playoffs with the the roster that they have. But in any case, I'm going to take the Giants in this one game with uh, Bumgarner. He's just been in this situation too many times. I have too much faith in him to uh, to shut down this Mets lineup and get the win, despite the fact that it's on the road. Um, Shelly. Well. You know, as we started this podcast, about 20 minutes ago, the Lions came out. This is the only one that's out right now. The Mets were minus 115 when it opened. When I pulled it up, they're already underdogs in the game. So everyone is putting money on Madison Bumgarner. So, but it also showed you where, where at least initially Vegas thought the game was going to go. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, moving ahead from uh, on from that game. The winner gets the Cubs. The Cubs are going to line up with Lester and Hendricks, games one and two, probably either Lackey or Arietta, uh, game three, and the other one, game four. Um, and then, you know, if the Mets somehow get by this game, this is almost the same situation, I think, as there is in the American League. The, the Cubs have to be praying the Mets win because they have no Steven Matz, they have no Matt Harvey, they have no Jacob deGrom. It's basically Thor and Bartolo Colon and say a prayer. And, and who knows what Bartolo Colon's going to give you in the playoffs, given that he's about 62 years old. Um, I, Conley, I think the Cubs have to be sitting there praying the, the Mets somehow win this game. Oh, yeah. I mean, with the, with the starting rotation that San Francisco has with those top three guys, you know, the Cubs have a really good lineup, and I think that San Francisco's rotation can neutralize that. I, I agree. They definitely should be praying that the Mets are able to pull that one out. Uh, okay, so I want to get your pick. Who's going to come out of this Cubs versus Wild Card series? Are we all in agreement on the Cubs, or do we have a differing opinion? Well, it is an even year, so I don't know. Oof. Wow. Going back wow. to the well on that I'm one. Taking, I'm hey, taking stand up. a post. Run with them. <laughs> you guys all, all I, I, the Cubs? I, I don't see anything out of the ordinary happening. I think the, I think the Cubs make it to the uh, NLCS. Agreed. Okay, the other series in the National League, Dodgers and Nationals. This is a home field for the Nationals. They will host games one and two. Uh, the Dodgers will go with Clayton Kershaw and Rich Hill, games one and two, probably Kenta Maeda, game three, and uh, maybe Julio Urias, game four, or they might come back with Kershaw on short rest, although since he's been hurt, that might not be very likely. Um, the Nationals, of course, lost Steven Strasburg. They're going to go with Max Scherzer game one, probably Tanner Rourke game two. And um, I'm guessing Gio Gonzalez game three because he's a lefty and the Dodgers can't hit lefties. Um, Chilling your thoughts on this matchup between the Dodgers and the Nationals? I agree with the Gio thing, even though I, I think Lopez is a better pitcher, so I, I think actually he yeah. should throw game three. But I, I, I agree that, that they'll probably throw the, uh, the veteran out there. Um I, I hate on the Dodgers so much, so I'm I, I'm leaning Nationals here. Um, it's kind of a I really don't have a great feel on it, but I'll I'll, I'll take Scherzer in Game One. Um, you know you know they'll get out ahead of it, so I do like the Nationals to uh, beat the Dodgers in this series. Yeah, you know I'm usually down on the Dodgers too, but I just think this team when I watch them they feel different than some of the other Dodger teams in that they don't feel like. Um, 
they don't feel like they're overrated prima donnas like some of the other Dodger teams I've watched. I like the Rich Hill pickup for them. He's been kind of a stabilizing force in the rotation with the two rookies that they have. And Kershaw's just so due to have a good postseason. Uh, Conley, what are your thoughts on this series? Uh, you know, I really I like the Nats. Um, I will say that losing uh, losing Wilson Ramos is going to hurt them a little bit. He's yeah, done a great a job. That's a, that's a huge loss, no question. Uh, but I, I don't know. You said you watched the Dodgers and saw a different team. I, I don't know. I'm just not real impressed with what they bring to the table. I, I really like the Nats. I mean, Trey Turner's been awesome since he's come up. They still have other sturdy bats in that lineup with Rendon. Daniel Murphy's had a career year. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I like I like Scherzer. I think he's you know he's healthy. He's thrown strong here towards the end of the year as well. So I I think I like the Nationals as well. John. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of see both ends of it. I'm going to go Dodgers just um, simply to play a little contrarian, but at, at the same time, I, I agree with the Kershaw. Um, I think he's got two starts in him, and I think he's got two dominant starts in this series. And uh, I'll, I'll take the Dodgers. We'll call it the uh, year of Vince Gully. There you go. Um, guys, any chance that, uh, that either of these teams can beat the Cubs in a seven-game series? I'll start with uh, Conley. I want to say yes, but I, I just don't see it. They just don't really have a flaw. I mean, they strike out a lot, but other than that, I mean, their rotation is phenomenal, and those guys have been really good at home in terms of the pitchers. Lester and uh, Lester and uh, Arietta have been dominant uh, in Wrigley Field. So, no, I, I don't see anybody getting past the Cubs in seven games. Chill. 109 years. I'll take the Nationals to represent the National League here. Um, I Just call me crazy. I, Cubs – I think the Cubs got too many young guys. Uh, you know, I, I, I think, you know, with the year under the belt, they're they're obviously the favorites, and they'll be the favorites next year and the year after that and the year after that. Um, I'm actually going to lean the Nationals here to uh, represent the National League just to uh, mix it up a little bit. Sean? I love the Nationals before um, before Ramos, obviously, and uh, I think, unfortunately, Strasburg being out, a big swing and miss guy, would have, would have, those two with Scherzer and Strasburg matched up against the Cubs, I think would have given them, given them a fit, uh, would have liked the, the Nats lineup too. I just, I like the Cubs. I think adding Chapman yeah. kind of solidified the bullpen a little bit. Um, I, I think they've just got enough to get to, to the World Series. Um, I think once you get to the World Series, we're just going to have to hold off and see who matches up because yeah. there's yeah. some teams that can give the Cubs fits potentially. Yeah, you know, I want to pick against the Cubs so bad because they, you know, they're just I, I, they've had teams like this in the past. I thought in 2003 they had the best team and they choked, uh, but I just don't think any of these teams are good enough to beat them in a, in a five or seven game series. I mean, the Dodgers just don't have the lineup. I don't think to compete. The Nationals, if they get by the Dodgers in this series, I, I don't love their bullpen. I don't love their rotation now that Strasburg's hurt. I think the Ramos injury is huge. I think the Cubs have the best rotation. They have the best lineup. They have the best bullpen. And when you combine all three of those things, they would have to literally choke to not win the National League, in my opinion. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, we will be back next week. Um, this series will kind of be about halfway done when we uh, talk to you again we'll kind of break down what's left to be decided in the division series and look forward to the uh, lcs's in both leagues um, make sure you check us out on twitter at neg pod mlb follow our new twitter account for this show we hope to uh, have a few more episodes during the postseason here and then uh, keep it rolling um, here and there in the off season and then full go into uh, next baseball season as well 
Make sure you follow the original Never Ending Glory podcast at Glory Podcast with Luke and Jerry and look for their stuff coming out uh, this coming week on the NFL. And also make sure you check out our college football podcast that comes out on Thursdays with Sean, myself, Schillig, and Farky. Big week this week for the college podcast crew. A lot of strong picks out there. Uh, We all killed it this week, so we'll be talking about that on Thursday. You can follow that on Twitter at NEGPodCFB. Um, Guys, anything else for the good of the order before we wrap this up? I'm about to jump on some Buckeye vodka, catch a chick flick with the old lady to make up for some of the football time over the course of this weekend. Catch you guys on the flip side. Yeah, uh, Mookie Betts, MVP, grill your high. Conley? Really? You're welcome for Julio Jones? Go Tribe. (laughs) (laughs) That'll do it for us. We'll talk to you guys next week. Go Tribe, beat the Sox. Have a good one.